This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. So this is part two of our legacy series that we're calling Planted and Flourishing. And it's a two-part thing, planted and flourishing. Let's look at our key verse for this series. It's in Psalm 92. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord, because all flourishing starts with something that is planted. Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of God. They will still bear fruit. In old age, they will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright. He is my rock. This is our heart for legacy. This is our heart for legacy that we are setting up the next generation for lifelong spiritual flourishing. We know that Think 3 starts with me because we're raising up a generation that will love and follow Jesus into their old, old years. Knowing that someday we will be gone and we are to pass on the baton of faith and spirituality to the next generation that will love and follow Jesus and teach the next generation to love and follow Jesus into their old, old, old years. Because it only takes a generation without that transference of faith for an entire group of people to be raised not knowing the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we take it personally, that think three starts with me. And so this is not a message for parents, hey, parents, raise your kids this way. This is a message for people who love and follow Jesus. So if you're here today and if you're an aunt, if you're an uncle, if you're a grandma, a grandpa, if you're a son, if you're a daughter, this message is for all of us, that this is a message that we embrace so that we can bring lifelong flourishing to the people around us. But it starts with being planted. I have a jar of mustard seeds here. And so that we know that nothing ever comes to flourishing if the seed does not first get in the ground. So last week, Pastor Landon started this series talking about the soil is ready. Because where you sow seed really matters. You don't want to sow it on concrete. You don't want to sow it where, there's, where it's rocky. You want to sow seed into good and fertile soil. And he took time last week to unpack just all the ways that the soil here at this house is fertile and ready for seed. And so we have a legacy report for you in a booklet form on your way out today. We have one for each family. We would love for you to take one and you can read through all the things that God has done just this last year. Of all the ways that people have gotten seed in the ground and have seen the flourishing. So we're talking about being planted and being flourishing. But first we got to get it in the ground. So last week is the soil is ready. This week it's called get it in the ground. John 12, 24 says it this way. It says, listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. So I have a jar of seeds here. This will only ever be a mustard seed. It only ever remains a seed unless it gets put in the ground. The verse continues. It says, but if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. Many times over. And that's where we get our heart for legacy is that it reproduces many times over. So this is a series on generosity. It is talking about having a generous generous spirit to give. 
And this is leading us up to our legacy offering on November 19th. So there's no bait and switch about where we're going with this. We're open and upfront from the beginning that this is a series on generosity and that we are moving towards an end of year offering on November 19th. November 19th is going to be our legacy Sunday. It's going to be an amazing celebratory day of just praising God for all that he has done and is going to do as we sow seed. We know that a harvest is coming. So why talk about generosity? Why, why does generosity matter? Generosity matters because generosity is the vehicle for legacy. It's easy for us to clap and be like, yes, generational transference of faith. Think three, I'm, I'm all about it. Okay, the way that we get there is through our generosity. The way we impact people for legacy is going to be through our generosity. Legacy is about generosity that comes from sowing seed. Because there's never a harvest of a generation who loves and follows Jesus without sowing seed for that harvest. I remember there was a time not long after we had planted the church, we were a one-income household. And things were just kind of tight because we took this little tiny fragile seed of a church plant and got it in the ground and everything is just kind of fragile and vulnerable, especially in the beginning. Every paycheck felt a little fragile and, and, and vulnerable and things were just tight. Christmas time was coming up and I remember this season of sitting in the car at the gym because that's where the real workout takes place. Sitting in the car in the parking lot of the gym. And I was sitting in the car, and we were cutting back on all of our unnecessary bills. Just like having to cut back because money was tight, patience was tight, you know, everything is tight. And I, and I liked going to the gym, but I knew it was a luxury that I didn't have to have. And I sat in the parking lot crying up in my feelings about this was not going to be something sustainable for us in that season. And it was, it was difficult for us. There were just things we were having to cut back. And it was at that same time, it might have even been the same day. I went home, and in the mailbox, there was a, a card with a check for $1,000 in it to us from pastors that pastor a church in California that do legacy offerings also. And part of their legacy offering is to sow into other pastors and their families. From their legacy offering. And we were recipients of that. They didn't know us. We didn't know them. They, didn't, they had never been to our church. We didn't know them from Adam. But they had asked the organization that we planted our church through that they also did. They were like, hey, can you give us a list of pastors we want to bless from our legacy offering? And we happened to be on that list. And how many of you know that sometimes $1,000 might not seem like much? But then sometimes $1,000 might as well feel like $10,000. And to me in that moment, $1,000 before Christmas time when we're cutting back on all the things, $1,000 could have been $10,000 to me. It meant so much. It impacted me. And so if we're going to make a difference in people's lives, it comes by way of generosity. You never know the full effect and impact that your generosity has, but, it, it, but the legacy we want to leave comes through our generosity. We're setting up the next generation. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 12 says it this way. It says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. 
as this church sowed this seed into us, they even wrote in the card, they said, this is not for your church. This is for you and your family personal. Like this is personal money for y'all that they gave us through their church. Not one individual in their church said, hey, this rando in Texas, let's send them $1,000. But it was a collective offering from from the church and it came through the church. And that's one of the things we say here is that you don't give to the church, you give through the church. Because together our collective effort can make so much more of an impact than any one of us could individually. We've been able to do amazing things over the year, years through our legacy offerings. And I just want to share a couple of those things with you. We focus on three main lanes when it comes to our legacy. That's where we focus on international missions, where we can give far across the globe. And when you think about that, there's no way we will ever really know the impact of our giving, especially the further away it gets. But also the further away it gets, it has more of an impact because the need is greater. So we focus on international missions, local missions, and then what we call heart for the house, how we can impact the ministry right here within our own church. So the legacy, our legacy offering at the end of the year, it helps to accelerate our vision. It helps us go further, faster. So in 2021... Well, let me just share too. Over the years, one of the things that we did is we have partnered with organizations. One of them was Jesus House Odessa, which is a ministry that Landon's parents, um, they run this whole ministry. It's a lot of like homeless ministry. They, ha- they have a home. Jesus House itself helps transition people from homelessness back into society. And there are a lot of options available for men. There is not a lot, even in all of West Texas, for women and children. So they opened a home specifically for women and children, the only one in all of West Texas. So they opened a home for women and children. And together, we as a church got to completely outfit their entire kitchen, appliances, microwaves, the, all, the, all the cookware and dishes, coffee maker, all of it. As a church, we got to do that. And it's an amazing thing to get to be a part of. And I don't know about you and your situation, but me personally, I could not just write a check to fund all of that for their kitchen. But together, we could each give the seed that we had, and we could make a difference for a whole bunch of families through Jesus House Odessa. We partnered with some missionaries of ours in Guatemala. They needed to build a retaining wall so they can continue their construction project. It was a $10,000 retaining wall. And together as a church, we sowed that seed and completely funded 100% of their retaining wall. And they were blown away by it because it was such a huge step for them in their projects for, what they're, for the mission work they're doing in Guatemala. And so together we were able to make a huge impact for them. We've done things like partner with a local organization called Ransom Life that seeks to, to rehabilitate minors who have been victims of human trafficking right here in the San Antonio area. Together as a church, we've done that. Together as a church, we've impacted an organization called RACAP that helps to support families in financial need right here in our community. So together as a church, you're giving not just to the church, but through the church in a way that is making an impact in huge ways all across the world. About 18 months ago, we were taking the next step as a church to be ready to uh, move towards a permanent facility. And it's a multi-step, long-term project. But we were like, we wanted to start that project. We knew and we had seen buildings and locations or land in the past, but we didn't have what we would need to be able to make a legitimate offer on something if it came up and if it was something we wanted to move forward with. So we started our building campaign called our Greater Things Campaign. And to kickstart the campaign, we did a first fruits offering. 
And the whole goal for the first fruits offering was to gather enough funds to be able to be a legitimate contender to put an offering on something if we were to see it. And it did just that. Within a few months, actually, after our first fruits offering and after launching the building campaign, a piece of land became available, which some of you may know, some of you may not know, but a, a, a piece of land on 35 became available. And because of the first fruits offering, because of the seed that had been sown, because of the seed that had gotten in the ground, we were actually able to put an offer on the land and God continued to open a series of doors where we were able to purchase that land. And, and after that building campaign, people committed to giving um, to that campaign in addition to their tithes and offerings. So people are tithing, and then people signed up to also be a part of the Greater Things campaign. And over the last 18 months, many of you have continued to sow into that campaign. So you're taking that seed that is yours, and you could put it in lots of different places, but that seed has continued to be sown into the Greater Things campaign. And so a recent partnership has come available to us called Lionheart Christian Academy. And their mission is to connect with people in the community and to reach children. So we continue to get to know the people of this organization. We actually drove up to Dallas a few months back and met with them. We toured some facilities and got to know them a little bit more. And that we love their heart, their mission, their values, what it is they're wanting to do. It resonates a lot with who we are. And I wanted to introduce them to you today. And so I have a short video to share with you so you can get a glimpse of who they are. Check out this video. Well, the vision of Lionheart actually was born in a hospital bed at MD Anderson Cancer Center in 2011, of all places. I had started another ministry about 20 years ago called Apartment Life, and it had quickly become all-consuming, and I was giving my entire life to that for a number of years. But I had been battling cancer off and on since I was in seminary, and it uh, became pretty serious in 2011. And the last bullet in my gun was to have a stem cell transplant. So I had to basically go offline for about a year, uh, move to Houston. And during that season, I read a book by George Barna called Raising Children to Be Spiritual Champions. And it was a life changer. Because in there, Barna makes the case that we have until a person's 13th birthday to reach them with the gospel. Or statistically speaking, he says we never will. And he lays out a very compelling case for that. I've subsequently called that the gospel shot clock from birth to the 13th birthday because he says the vast majority of people will come to know Jesus during those years. So my prayer became, Lord, what's the next big idea to greatly deepen the penetration of the gospel in those years from birth to 12? How do we reach a lot more children? Come to find out that the only other natural spike in spiritual receptivity other than the gospel shot clock is when people start having children when they're young parents, they become spiritually sensitive and try to figure out, uh, do I want to pass on my worldview to my child? And so they start reevaluating spiritual things. So these early years are very important for reaching children and for reaching young families. So uh, Lord, how do we reach a lot more children? Well, it turns out that the key to that is um, some significant shifts in women's participation in the labor force over the last 60 years. Now, the vast majority of women are working full-time outside the home. And so the experience of children is, from a very early age, they're in childcare because mom is working, or mom and dad are both working, from six weeks old all the way through preschool, 
Then if they enter the public school system, they're typically in an after-school program uh, until mom and dad get off work. And then they're in some type of child care or camp experiences all summer long. So those three industries, if you will, the preschool industry, the after-school industry, and the summer industry, in my view, are highly strategic for the future of the gospel because they're windows into the lives of these children and in their families during these very critical years. But as you look at it, what has happened is that the uh, secular companies now dominate all those industries. 75% market share is large corporations that are totally secular that control preschool, after school, and summer programs. In fact, most moms in the churches that we've researched that are looking for a, uh, uh, an option that is evangelical, there's either little to no options in, in many, many areas. And the reason is most churches are offering either nothing during the week or part-time programs that are serving stay-at-home moms, two-day-a-week, three-day-a-week, Mother's Day Out type programs. And if a mom's looking for full-time care, she has to look elsewhere. And the reason is, is because operating full-time child care academies is operationally very challenging. It's regulated, it has government regulation, and frankly, it's just not the core business that churches are in. And so the big idea of Lionheart is how can we empower churches to offer these types of programs to attract secular families uh, that are needing uh, high quality, affordable childcare and use that as a platform to get into their lives, love them, serve them, share the gospel with them and get them connected to the church. And so churches have beautiful facilities that many of are underutilized during the week. They have lots of people that love kids and can staff these programs, but they need an operating partner. And so Lionheart has invested a lot of time and energy and money in building a brand and operating systems and all the, the playbook, if you will, to empower churches to launch and operate full-time children's academies that are targeting secular families that are using secular childcare to get them out of that environment, get them on the campus of the church uh, all during the week, and again, use that as a vehicle to build a deep relationship with them, love them, uh, share the gospel with them, and then it's a very natural connection uh, to the church. So at Lionheart, we really wanna bless our church partners in three very specific ways. First and foremost is spiritually. We want to help them attract more unreached families and get them bridged into the church using high quality affordable child care as the vehicle to do so. Second is financially. Uh, these academies uh, basically fund their own way and actually generate excess income that we can then bless the church with so that they can fund additional ministry. And then finally is operationally because Lionheart does all the heavy lifting the church doesn't have to figure out how to operate these things with excellence. And so Lionheart does all the hiring, all of the um, operational procedures to run these things in, a, in an excellent manner. So we're constantly looking for churches where we, that we would be aligned with their vision and they can see how Lionheart could help them fulfill the, their vision and mission for the church. So when he says we're looking for churches, 
They're like, funny enough, we happen to be one of those churches where we feel there is an alignment of vision, of values, of mission, where they can really come alongside us and be a partner with us and what God is calling us to do here. So we've continued our relationship with them and getting to know them and wanted to move forward with our yes to them. And in fact, they have done many projects with the builder that we are using called Master's Plan Builder. They have built many churches with Lionheart Academy. And part of what we have to do on our end is that They'll work with our builder to make sure the building is built within licensure specs, classroom size, um, bathrooms, all the things that they need. We are committing to having an outdoor covered playground, and there are a couple of other things. And so in order for us to move forward in our um, relationship with them, the next step is a feasibility study that comes with a price tag of $7,500 where they come out, they bring their team, they, they do all of the research and study on the market for our specific area. It comes out to a 20 to 30 page document that, that many of their team members will work on. And with the approval of our board and with your generosity over the last 18 months of the seed that, that got out of your hand and into the ground, we're able to move forward with that. And the reason it's a little bit emotional is because it's a big step. It's a big step because we were not able to just, just like write a check to this organization to say yes. It's because of your generosity literally through the church that we're able to partner together as the body of Christ with this organization that will help us reach people in this community for Jesus. So we're excited about that and we're grateful for your faithfulness and your generosity of getting the seed in the ground. There is huge potential, not when a seed remains in a jar. It's when the seed gets in the ground. And so this year, our legacy offering focus, our goal is to come together and to bring an offering of the amount of $50,000. This is our faith goal for it. And that amount is much higher than we have um, given in the past. But we felt like this was the faith goal that God had set for us. And that $50,000, the way it will move us forward faster in our vision is this. It will help us to get initial blueprints and digital renderings, which, by the way, When we were touring some of these facilities in Dallas, some of the other Lionheart Academies, there was one in particular, a church, that was like walking through our dreams. Like if I could take my dream of a building and a facility and all the things and material, it was this place. It was this place. The outdoor space was beautiful. They had an outdoor baptism. It was like like the community aspect outside was gorgeous. Lots of amazing kids space. I mean, you name it, it was just amazing. And we can bring this to you in our in our capacity and with what we're doing. We can get those digital renderings with this $50,000 step. So it's the blueprints, digital renderings, the city permitting, geographical surveys, and construction budget. That's how this offering and this generosity will be the vehicle to move us forward, faster, and further together. And I don't know if you are a bottom line kind of person, but I am. I just need to know the bottom line. One time I asked them what time we need to leave for the airport, and I got like a wishy-washy answer. We were late. I was like, I need to know bottom line. What's the dollar amount? So I'm coming to you as a fellow bottom liner. The bottom line for the next step is $50,000. Like that is, that is the goal for us to move forward in these next steps so that we can get this. 
Because I'm like, what is the number? He's probably tired of me asking, like, what is the number where we can get some ribbon and some big goofy scissors and some construction hats? And we come out together, we can grab some shovels. Like, what's it going to take to break ground and get some trucks out there and let's start building? Well, the first step to get that number is this. That's why this is our goal is because it will help move us forward in that. So that is what we were, that is what we are believing God for. And that harvest of all that we imagine, that harvest, it's going to require seed. And if we want a particular kind of harvest, we have to plant that kind of seed. And we believe that that $7,500 step to move forward with Lionheart Christian Academy to get the feasibility study is exactly that kind of seed to get a Psalm 92 kind of harvest. Because I think too many times we're sowing a certain kind of seed and expecting a different kind of harvest. We're sowing in donuts and tortillas and lots of tacos, and we're looking for a harvest of vitality and health and six-pack. We're sowing in seeds of doom scrolling and too much social media, but we're trying to reap a harvest of productivity in our lives. We're, we're, reaping, we're, we're sowing seed of, of lust and pornography, trying to reap a harvest of intimacy within our marriages. If you want to reap a certain kind of harvest, you have to sow the right kind of seed. And we believe that the seed we're sowing into the next generation is going to reap a harvest of young people who love and follow Jesus until they are old, old, old. Who will raise the next generation to love and follow Jesus. But none of that harvest comes if we're going to hold on to our seed. If we're not going to take the seed from our hand and get it in the ground, you don't reap the harvest. Somebody could be the world's best pilot. Does not matter if they are never in the cockpit flying a plane. Somebody could be an amazing chef. Doesn't matter if they're never in the kitchen. A seed has to get in the ground to do what the seed is intended and destined to do. Church, can we shout, get it in the ground. Get it in the ground. We're reminded all throughout scripture about the power of a seed. 2 Corinthians 9 says this. It says, the point is this. I just like it. Get, you know, bottom line right here. Here's the point. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So if you're here today and you feel a certain way about churches talking about generosity and giving, I get it. I get it. As the one who speaks on it, I get the tension in the room. I love the way the message translation says that same verse. So if you're here as a guest, you can sit back and relax. This is maybe more of a family message. You're welcome to lean in or you can sit back however you feel for it. But the message translation says it this way. It says, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. It's a little sassy translation here. It says, a lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over. So we're trying our best to give you plenty of time to think it over. We're saying, hey, Legacy Sunday, it's November 19th. Think it over. Let's pray about it. It says, so take time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. So if you feel any of those kinds of ways, you can sit back and relax. It says God loves it when the giver delights in giving. So the power of a seed is that it gets in the ground. It gets in the ground, and we can do that with a delightful heart. So there are three things we're going to talk about quickly. It won't take long. About what happens when we get seed in the ground. The first thing is, is that when we get seed in the ground is that it defies what is logical. 
You mean to tell me this little tiny thing can become an entire tree that will reproduce itself many times over? That's not even logical. You can't even see this. I'm not even holding anything. <laughs> Maybe thought I was. I'm not. It's that small. It's not logical. It makes no sense. Matthew 13 says it this way. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. Well, Jesus, you know what? That just doesn't impress me much. That don't impress me much. I know some of you are singing Shania Twain, and I, I, I'm sorry for that. Those are my eighth grade karaoke days. I, I'm here for it. But Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. And we're like, that doesn't impress me. Jesus, I want you to wow me. Come in with a throne. Come in, come in with a, a scepter to rule and show us your power. And come in maybe with a signet ring and, and some armies. And Jesus impressed us. And he's like, okay, the kingdom of heaven, it's like a mustard seed. It's like a mustard seed. I think if we're not careful in our hearts, we start to demand that Jesus wows us. But the kingdom of heaven is not logical. I sat through majors biology in college. And Miss Baldridge got more fired up over botany than anybody I'd ever seen in my life. So I know I did the whole color, label a plant and whatnot. And I cannot tell you logically how a seed works. But I can tell you that the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. And that it's not logical that we plant something tiny and God can do amazing, incredible things. That it is through faith. Matthew 13 says this, he put another before, parable before them saying, so we're already here. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. Verse 32, it is the smallest of all seeds. So he didn't even pick a pumpkin seed. He went with a mustard seed. It is the smallest of all seeds. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. So that when the birds of the air come and make its nest and its branches this little tiny seed, but it comes the biggest. It's not logical. It's not logical to take a tiny group of people and plant a church that can grow into something viable, that can impact families and change lives and, and change a community. It's not logical. It's not logical that there can be a group of people meeting in an elementary cafeteria, but where lives are deeply transformed forever. It's not logical, but God is the one who can do that. When we add our faith to it, it defies what is logical. And it's not up to us to demand that Jesus does things logically. It's not logical when he calls Peter to walk on water. It's not logical that we can serve on a team and make a difference. It's not logical that we could host people in our home and, and then over just time a relationship can change somebody's life. Those things are not logical. But we don't need to come to Jesus with a, a demand that he is logical or that he impresses us or that he wows us. He says, no, it's like a seed. It's like a seed in the ground. This legacy series, we, we hope that it will build your faith and expectation for our legacy offering that will remind us of the power of a seed. And I think that if we're not aware, we will devalue, overlook, and doubt the power of a seed in our lives. The Bible says not to despise small beginnings, not to despise it. So whatever seed you have, not to despise that this is what you can get in the ground. The important thing is that you get it in the ground and then you'll see a harvest. I believe that lion heart is part of that harvest from the seed, getting it in the ground. 
So by faith, we sow. By faith, we get it in the ground. And then God does the miraculous. So getting it in the ground defies what is logical. And number two, it resists our need for control. All the control people in the house, I feel you. I know. But when we get a seed in the ground, it resists our need for control. Mark 4 says it this way. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. So there's this church plant, a group of people coming together to plant a church. And, and what's this little thing sprouting over here in shirts? I don't know. But we got it in the ground and look what God is doing. There's this group of people over here meeting in a small group and, and lives are being changed and don't really understand what or how it's doing it. But we got the seed in the ground. It's God who makes it grow. So he puts it in the ground and forgets about it. The, the text says, the earth does it all without his help. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Verse 28, it says, all by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, and then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Because the harvest has come. So you put it in the ground, and then you can't control it. You can't dig it back up and look at it. You can't keep watching it. You can't micromanage it. You don't get to determine the outcome of it. But it is by faith. You get it in the ground, and then you let go of control. And God does what God does. The soil produces a crop all by itself. So we sow and let go of control. So the kingdom of heaven defies our need to control. Sowing seeds is often hard for us because sometimes we believe that we are better with seed than God is. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 and 9 says this. It's Paul saying, what is Apollos? What is Paul? And Paul's even addressing this because people were starting to give credit to the apostles more than to God himself. So he's addressing it. He says, servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So only God can give the increase. We have a tendency in our, in our natural state, in our flesh, to take credit for what only God can do. But getting a seed in the ground, we're releasing control to the one who is in control and controls all things. I think we struggle with the kingdom of God because we cannot control it. We're like, God, I want a miracle. God, I want you to, to bring salvation to my spouse. But God, I'm going to need to know when. I'm going to put it in my calendar. If you could tell me how and through what person and, and, you know, give me all the details. God, I want a miracle, but I need to, like, have all of the information so that I can control and manipulate things along the way. Control can be another way of saying we don't trust God. But when we get a seed in the ground, we release it. There's this amazing story in Mark 14. It says, Jesus was at Bethany and a guest of Simon the, as a guest of Simon the leper. While he was eating dinner, a woman comes up with a bottle. In other words, she's crashing the party. She's crashing the dinner party that she was not invited to. So a woman came up carrying a bottle of very expensive perfume. Opening the bottle, she poured it on his head. 
And some of the guests became furious among themselves. That's criminal. It's a sheer waste. The perfume could have been sold for well over a year's wages and handed out to the poor. They swelled up in anger, nearly bursting with indignation over her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why are you giving her a hard time? She has just done something wonderfully significant for me. You will have the poor with you every day for the rest of your lives. Whenever you feel like it, you can do something for them. Not so with me. They were indignant towards this woman because they could not control what she was giving to the Lord. They could not control the seed that she was sowing. And they became indignant. They were like, hey, this could be used elsewhere. We're better at doing things with seed than you are. We know better. And Jesus is like, oh, you think that you could do better by giving to the poor? Then go give to the poor. People who want to criticize what, what churches are or are not doing with money, like, hey, go give to the poor. As well, we all could. We have them with us always at any time, at any point. We can take sandwiches and blankets and we can take care of the poor. But perhaps for such a time as this, God is calling this church into this next step so that we can sow seed and get seed into the ground that will reap a harvest for generations to come. And I love how Jesus comes to her defense. He comes to her defense and he addresses the critics. And some scholars have said that they were judging this woman and judging her generosity to hide their own dysfunction and their own lack of generosity. So getting it in the ground, we, let, we sow it and we let go of control. So it defies logic. It defies our need for control. And number three, it requires my participation. Sowing seed in the ground requires all of our participation. Mark 4, 26, 26 says, Then Jesus said, God's kingdom is like a seed thrown on a field by a man who then goes to bed and forgets about it. The seed sprouts and grows, and he has no idea how it happens. The earth does it all without any of his help. First a green stem of grass, and then a bud, and then a ripened grain. When the grain is fully formed, he reaps a harvest. So we see here that it's a person who plants, and it's a person who reaps. It's a person who sows, and it's a person who shows up for the harvest as well. We are partners with God in his kingdom work. God uses willing and ready vessels for his kingdom work. He does not use criticizing vessels. He does not use stingy vessels. He does not use judgmental vessels. He is looking for ready and willing, faith-filled vessels who can say, I know the power of a seed and I'm going to get it in the ground. It requires our participation. When he wants to do something significant, it always begins with a seed. And here's what I love about God allowing us to participate with him is that he doesn't need us to participate with him. He allows us to participate with him. And our faith formation be begins and happens within our participation. Faith formation is the product of our participation. God asks for our participation because that's where the greatest degree of formation takes place in our lives. The greatest degree of formation. Without participation... With God and what he's doing, our faith is really just theory. And so we've ever partnered with God and stepped out in faith. Our faith is only theory. But when we partner with him and we're able to sow something into the ground, and that could look like a variety of ways. But when we partner with him, that's where our faith is formed. And I wonder how many of us here today, our faith is in that place of theory. 
And legacy season can be a time where we move from theory in our faith to practice by getting seed in the ground. Faith is us getting the seed that he's given us in the ground. We're believing, God, that for many of you, this legacy will be the greatest, most profound moment in the process of faith formation that you will experience all year long. All year long. And in fact, we have a testimony I want to share with you today from somebody who experienced this very thing through legacy last year. Some of you may know and love Jennifer Reed. She serves on our kids team. She's an amazing person. She shared her story with us, and she titled it Purpose Church and a New Legacy for Our Family. These are, these are the words that she has shared with us. She said, my story of calling the Purpose Church my home began in January 2022. My husband had a career that provided for us. I had a job I loved and a salary that helped support our family. Our kids were grown and independent. Life seemed good and comfortable for the first time in our adult lives. At this time, I was recommended to take on an additional role in my job that would come with an additional salary. This job was a paid ministry position. I felt completely inadequate and unqualified to fill such a role. However, I thought the idea of getting to share the good news of Jesus and getting paid for it was a win-win. Embarrassingly, I, I now admit that it was the salary that I thought was going to change the legacy of our family. That salary was going to be saved and invested to make a difference in the lives of our children and grandchildren. As I stepped into this role, I wanted to learn everything there was to know. I'd always been a believer, but I didn't know God. I didn't know his word. I'd never read the adult Bible, and I had never attended church regularly. I was now at church every Sunday as an employee teaching what I had read and researched that week. I was trying to take in all the knowledge that I could. I began listening to sermons online from churches all around. I knew that a friend of mine attended the Purpose Church and loved her church, so I started listening to sermons from Pastor Lannon and Pastor Kelly. I loved every one of them. Each one spoke to me. I could relate to the messages. The 9 to 5 series really got me thinking. We really are all called to ministry. We don't have to be paid to minister. Next was the Shovels and Swords series. This series shook me. It spoke to the depths of my soul. My husband and I had spent the last several years fighting for a change in our lives, fighting for a change in our families, and working to break cycles and generational curses that had plagued our families for as long as we could remember. Even some of the darkest moments of the battle, we'd spoken the words, I'd go through all of this a hundred times more if it means someday it spares our kids. I wish I could remember the exact message I was listening to, and I felt God saying that this was where he wanted me to be. I realized I needed to be at the Purpose Church, and I couldn't be here if I was working there on Sundays. The values, the mission, and legacy TPC stands for is exactly what I wanted to be a part of. I very clearly knew God was what he was saying to me, and it wasn't the salary that was going to change things for our family. With the Greater Things Building campaign coming up, I heard God saying that I should give 100% of my salary I'd earned in my time in that role and give it to the campaign. He would use that money to impact not only our family tree, but more family trees than I could ever imagine. I resigned from that position and visited the Purpose Church on May 1st, 2022. We attended Growth Track that evening and I soon joined the Dream Team. I gave that salary to the building campaign pledged to continue giving, and began tithing. It's been incredible to experience all God is doing in our lives, 
and in this church. I love seeing how God is changing our family's spiritual legacy. A few months after joining the Purpose Church, our youngest son started attending the Purpose Church too. On October 30th last year, my son Drake and I were both baptized along with 30, uh, 33 other people. The next week kicked off Legacy Series, and I knew I needed to be generous and obedient in my giving, but I also had huge concerns about the timing. Like many of the homes in the area, we needed major foundation repairs and hadn't yet received the bid on the cost of those repairs. Prayerfully, I decided on an amount and made that faithful commitment to give, and as as he always does, God came through again. An unexpected work bonus soon deposited to our checking account. As we've entered into another legacy season, I'm praying on what God desires us to give this year, and I'm praying big prayers and faithfully believing that God continues to change our family tree. I'm believing he will work in the areas or in the hearts of those that are are not near him in this season. I'm trusting in his promises and in his provision. I'm so grateful to call TPC home and partner together to see our families and communities changed forever. Amen. Jennifer, thank you for sharing your story. I see you. We love you. We honor you. We're grateful for you. And just to help connect the dots, it was that very campaign that she was sewing into that has positioned us to take the next step with Lionheart Christian Academy. That same seed that was sown that's going to impact so many more families. That's, that's exactly what she's talking about. So the call to action for us today is, will you get it in the ground? Will you trust God with what is God's to do? Will you let it defy what is logical in your life and step out in faith? Release control and let God do what God can do. And when we partner with him by getting seed in the ground, we are able to move our faith from theory to practice, and you see him move in your life. And nothing builds your faith more than all the stories you have to point back to. And maybe some of you need some stories to point back to. And maybe it's going to be this legacy series where you're like, look, I know, I know what the economy is doing. I know, I know that building costs are high. But I believe that if we can get our seed in the ground, that God is going to be the one who makes it grow. It's not up to us. We can't control all of these things. But God is in control, and he is the one who has supplied seed. And we're going to trust him by getting it in the ground. And the more we can get seed in the ground, we'll see a harvest of righteousness for generations to come. So I want to ask you today, like, what is your faith goal for Legacy Sunday, for November 19th? How would you like to be a part of that? And we're talking about a financial seed that is sowing. Like if you could write any number on that card on November 19th, what would you like to write on that card? Like if you could just dream. Like give me the bottom line for that building, sis. I will, I will write that number. But what would you like to be able to give? Can you come up with a faith goal? Can you take time to prayerfully ask God how he would have you be a part of it? And then seed by seed that you sow and your neighbor sows and we're sowing and you're sowing. We continue to get these seeds in the ground. We know that God is going to produce a harvest that's going to blow our minds. When we're out at the land praying, we spent some time during 21 days of prayer, gathering out there for prayer and looking at the field that will one day be our church. Yes, I I would like that building for my kids. 
today. I would like it for your kids today. But I'm not just seeing it stop with that. I'm imagining my kids grown and married there with their children that can be raised there. And for generations to come, that this church will be a place that will impact this community for generation after generation after generation. That it'll be a place that we can always point back to and look, hey, the church that I grew up in, it impacted me. It changed me that this is that kind of church. But it begins with the seed that we get in the ground. So maybe your first step is just praying and asking God how he would have you be a part. And maybe it is that you begin tithing. I'd say this is maybe step number two. Step one, start praying. Maybe step two, maybe this is actually the season where it's an on-ramp for you to begin tithing. You begin trusting God regularly with your giving. Because nothing keeps you close to God like a financial need and giving, and you see God come through over and over again, and then you have all of those stories to point back to. I know we have so many stories, but it came about from that partnership. So maybe this is a season where you can say yes to partnering with God for his kingdom work. And then step three is just to get excited and get involved and say, hey, I want to be a part of that reaping. I want to be a part of the sowing. I want to be a part of the reaping. Get involved. Come to Growth Track on November 12th. You have kiddos, we'll take care of them. We'll have a great time. We'll have a meal together. We'll talk about, about the church. We'll talk about you and what the partnership God is doing here. It'll be an amazing day on November 12th, but maybe Growth Track is your next step. And together, when we're all contributing, we'll see God do amazing things. The band is going to lead us in a song. And as we close, I would love for you just to stand. I'm going to have a time of prayer. Our prayer team is going to come down. We have communion available on the sides. When we talk about sacrificial giving, we are all here. And if your life has been changed by Jesus, it was because there was a sacrificial gift given in the life of Jesus Christ. That his blood was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And when we stop and pause and take communion, it reminds us that Jesus is for us, that he gave it all for us. So you can respond in communion, you can respond in prayer. If you want to give your heart to Jesus today, that's the best Best decision you can ever make. Our prayer team is down here ready to pray for you in that. If you have a financial need, come down for prayer. If you struggle with a a spirit of generosity, I get that. You can come down and ask God to unlock that in you. Usually within a marriage, there's one who is very generous and one who is not so much. And then those people get married. In our marriage, our children don't come to me when they want to buy things. So I get that struggle of not wanting to let go of things. And if you want a a spirit of generosity to flourish in your life, you want that unlocked, like you want that, come down for prayer. They're here to meet you right where you are and to pray for you in that. If if you're facing a health issue, if you need a breakthrough, if you're in the middle of a battle, however we can come alongside you in prayer, this is your moment for that. Don't let this moment pass you by without coming down for prayer and taking communion. So with every head bowed, if you're comfortable to lift your hands, you can do that. Lord, we thank you for this moment. God, we thank you that you supply seed to the sower, God, that we have all the seed we need to be generous in every way that we want to be. 
And God, I pray that you unlock a spirit of generosity in us, knowing that it's the vehicle for legacy, knowing that it's through generosity that we're going to change lives, knowing that it's once we can get it in the ground and trust you and release control and, and, and to partner with you in faith, it defies all that is logical. And God, you want to do it through our participation. God, I pray that you will move our hearts to say, yes, I'm here. Put me in. I'm all in for what you are doing here. God, I want to be a part of the sowing. I want to be a part of the reaping as well. God, for the one who needs a breakthrough today, Lord, I pray that they draw near to you in this moment. That you let them know that you're going to see them through, that you are making a way in all things. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.